Hey, Chuck fans. Uh, hello also to fans of Casey, Sarah, uh, Morgan, Jeff, and Lester, Big Mike, Ellie and Awesome. Welcome one and all to Go Chuck Yourself in this episode. Aaron and I are going to be recapping and analyzing season two, episode 15 of Chuck. Make sure to send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at gochuckpodcast. And wherever you're listening to us, maybe it's on Apple Podcasts, maybe it's on Spotify. Don't forget to like and subscribe and maybe even write a review if you have the time. We'd love to hear from you. And I'd say on that note, here we go. Cakes out there. Get ready to fight Chuck this week. This is Go Chuck Yourself, and this is season two, episode 15. Chuck versus the beefcake. What is okay, what is beefcake? Beefcake is a slang term for a muscular gentleman. I understand that, but what is like a beefcake? Like, where did the term uh, come from? Um, like a like I, you would like because if you like beef, you would like it if it was in the shape of a cake. Is it like a ham? Hamburger patty is like kind of like a cake, like a crab so cake. So here's my thought process is that it's the combination of two words, beef and cake. Beef referring to the muscles okay. and that it's like meaty because, okay. you know, beef is meat. Yes. And then cake is something that's sweet and delectable mm. and something that everyone wants. Mm. So when you see a muscular gentleman and if you're attracted to him, that he's a beefcake because okay. he's like muscular and meaty, but also sweet and delectable. All right. I think. Thank you for cleaning that up for me. I've always wondered. Hello, my name is Chris Gillespie. I am a scholar of beefcakes. <laughs> I have a PhD in beefcakeology. And I am Aaron Arata, and I am like the karate kid to your beefcake, Mr. Miyagi. You are but the pork cupcake to my beefcake. That's really nice. I don't eat pork, <laughs> but I really like to be called the pork cupcake. Neither do I, so we'll just take a moment to imagine what that pork cupcake would taste like. Mmm. Speaking of beefcakes, I'd like to talk about one beefcake in particular. His name is Toby Maguire. Okay. Maybe you've heard of him. Yep. Specific. I'd like to talk about his performance in the 2002 film Spider-Man. Okay. This is a movie Wait, Spider- based on the comic book Spider-Man character. Wait, Regular Spider-Man. It's just regular okay, Spider-Man. There's a lot just of them. Spider-Man. I know there's a lot of Spider-Man. There's a whole Spider-Verse. I watched, I watched just, Spider-Verse last night. Oh. Uh, I'm happy for it. Anyway, continue. There's a scene in Mm Spider-Man where Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker, some of you kids out there might know him as Tom Holland, is first discovering his powers and he decides to show off his powers at school for some reason Mm -hmm. before he becomes a mass superhero and keeps his identity a secret. But he decides that he's just going to show off all his cool spider powers. Is this when he catches Mary Jane's food on her tray? Uh, It's slightly after that, yes. So outside of that scene... Following it, he gets into a fight with uh, Flash, I think his name is. All right. This is a big bully, big muscular beefcake, if you will. It's just it's beefcake V beefcake V beefcake sure. here in Spider-Man. Yep. And they get into a big fight and a bunch of teens and other school kids gather around to watch Spider Peter Parker fight uh, the Flash. Not the Flash. That'd be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. The bully. And wouldn't you know who's one of the teens watching this showdown? Let's say it together. Jesse Hyman, a.k.a. Fernando. How do you keep seeing him in things? I I have this condition where I see Jesse Hyman <laughs> in everything. All right. I was this is from a while ago, but I was I had rewatched the initial the to, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy, which is a conversation for another time <laughs> prior to seeing Far From Home was watching spider-man one lo and behold there's fernando the guy does not age at all he looks exactly the same and so i was looking up his imdb page because i'm like he's in a lot of stuff because if you listen to the show i mentioned a few weeks ago that i saw him in a music video when i was at a bowling alley (sighs) i know it's a riveting story (laughs) looking at his imdb page the guy has got probably one of the longest filmographies out of all of the cast of Chuck. Really? He's been he's been working consistently since 2002. Well, he's got a face. 
He's got a face, but he's like in the Big Bang Theory. He's like in any sitcom you can imagine. Is he always like a small part or is he ever like have his big break? Um, debatable. I don't really know. I I don't know if he has any speaking roles. Okay. There he played a young Michael Moore in a film called An American Carol. Okay. Which is a film which I just learned about today where Michael Moore is visited. This is a fictional film. It's not actually Michael Moore. He's visited by three ghosts All right. who teach him the meaning of America because he wants to get rid of the 4th of July. And he's visited by three ghosts who who teach him what, what good America has done in the world and why he should be proud to be an American. And, for, and Jesse Hyman plays Michael Moore. Wait, in the so that. Michael Moore didn't make this? Like he wasn't involved? No. He's not who made this? God only knows. Oh my god. Okay. Well, that's something that I didn't know, and I'm glad that I know now. It was directed by the same guy that directed Airplane, and I was like, uh. Okay. So, anyhow, this is Go Chuck Yourself. We talk about Chuck as well as uh, <laughs> the other film projects of the cast members of Chuck. Did we introduce ourselves? We did introduce okay, ourselves. Okay, just checking. Are you drunk? <laughs> my cereal had wine instead of milk. Oh my god, that's... <laughs> I don't want to laugh because that sounds like you have a serious problem if you're doing that. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, Chuck versus the Beefcake today. It is oh, an yeah, episode Sorry. that... <laughs> Get with it, Eric. I'm sitting in a different position than I'm normally sitting in, so all bets are off. I'm going to have three ghosts come visit you and teach you the meaning of go chuck yourself. Sounds good. If you Thank don't, you. If you don't get your act together. Okay. Um, this episode was intentionally or it was originally going to come immediately after Chuck versus the suburbs yes. in the Chuck chronology. Mm-hmm. But they had to move things around. If you heard the other episodes, you know, we talked about that. Yes. But now in, it actually followed Chuck versus the best friend. But it's very closely related to Chuck versus the suburbs. And that's all we have to say about it. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> I was waiting for you we'll to say, you take week. it away, Aaron. Your famous catchphrase. I don't say that every time. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to take it away. Okay, well, hold on. Let me say it. Don't take it away. I haven't given you permission to take it away yet. Take it away, Aaron. So the episode begins with a mysterious man who Amazon tells me is named Cole Barker digging in the woods late, late at night. It turns out he's not dumping a body, but digging one up. He unearths said body and takes its belt buckle. We move As you do. Yeah, as one does. Uh, we move to Castle, where Beckman explains that the body was in a CIA dump site, and the grave belonged to Brad, you know Brad, from, from the Suburbs episode. Played by Andy Richter. Yep, the one who ran the test on Chuck with the intersect. Uh, Beckman wants Sarah and Casey to find out what was taken from the grave and why. She also tells them to keep a close watch on Chuck, because whatever was taken might put him in danger. At the Barkowskis, Sarah calls Chuck while he's at breakfast, and he ignores the call, which makes Ellie nervous. Devin says, cold and detached is a very powerful aphrodisiac, babe, and Ellie says, so is abstinence. Want to try it? I thought that was a pretty sick burn. Oh. Oh. God. No more going to the drive-thru for, for Devin. <laughs> nope. He backs off. Ellie tells Chuck that if Sarah's not the one, he needs to take charge of his life, tell her, and move on. Chuck says that Sarah Walker isn't the kind of girl you break up with. At the Bymore, Morgan says he hasn't been sleeping. Chuck asks if something is wrong with Anna, and Morgan says no, it's his mom and Big Mike, who are going at it like teenagers. Apparently, Big Mike moans like a wounded sea lion, which I can imagine, actually. I I don't want to imagine a wounded sea lion, to be clear. I can just imagine Uh, Big Mike sounding like that. uh Morgan asks Chuck if he can stay at Chuck's for a couple of nights until this whole thing blows over. I don't know if he means that he thinks, like, his mom is going to get dumped really quickly, or if he just means that they'll, like, stop having sex all the time. I don't know what it means. But he wants to stay at Chuck's. He wants to get out of there. Yeah. Sarah comes to the Bymore to check on Chuck, and he tells her he's really busy at work, so she respectfully says, oh, okay, I'll try again later, when you're on a break, and she leaves. Just kidding. She says, can I buy you a frozen yogurt? And Sarah and her head over to the orange-orange, despite the fact that he just got to work. And it's it's the morning. Why would he want a frozen yogurt? It was like a nice little, you know, fruit based frozen yogurt. Know. Well, she does nice cut up a banana. Um, I guess the idea <laughs> is that he wants to talk to her, maybe even about breaking up. But before he can, he sees her chopping up said banana. And I guess the, this makes him nervous about the whole thing. Do you like as a man, do you get upset when someone's cutting a banana? 
I do not. Okay, that I, like seemed to be the implication here that he was like, if I break up with Sarah, she's gonna like chop me up. But just gonna chop my penis yeah. like a banana. Yeah. Which would be very disturbing. I mean, it would be really upsetting if that happened, but I don't really know why he was like the implication was that he's like a little like he's like, oh, Sarah Walker isn't the kind of girl you break up with. But like mm-hmm. I I didn't like there wasn't really any like imagery or anything other than the banana that she was doing anything scary, so Right. I don't know why he was worried about it. Well, she had a knife. She's usually pretty skilled with knives. That's true. Chuck tells Sarah that he's sick of lying to his friends and family and wants to break up. She advises him to just tell people they're taking things slowly, but he says that's just another lie, and he asks her point blank if they're ever going to really be together. She doesn't answer. Then she asks if the breakup is what he really wants. He says yes. And Casey pops up and says, great, most annoying romance of my life is finally over. So Chuck is, from my observation, he's motivated to do this from Chuck versus the suburbs because he, I don't know, it's kind of murky, but he was like enjoying having the the fake relationship with Sarah Uh in the suburbs, but then realized that he can never actually have that. And that makes him just want to end the whole thing. Yeah, I think I think that's um, what what we can gather from the information Mm. we've been given. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I was doing so well. I need to sit in a normal position. Glad I could clear that up for you, Chris. (laughs) Down in Castle, Beckman tells everyone that they found a print on the robbed grave that belongs to Cole Barker. Cole is basically a hot dude who's in a lot of pictures with women. Beckman says the mission is for Sarah to approach Cole and get intel by any means necessary. So... I'm not sure why Chuck even had to be there for this, but sometimes it's nice to get the whole team involved. Chuck flashes on a picture of Cole's belt buckle and reveals that the intel is in there. Apparently, Sarah's going to have to get Cole's belt. Back in the Bymore, Big Mike has taken his new role in Morgan's life as a chance to show some fatherly affection. He calls Morgan's son and offers him the chance to take up some more responsibility in the store, like interviewing some new green shirts. Everyone is disgusted when he says he's heading back to Morgan's house to tend to some household chores that have been neglected. Did you think that he, Big Mike was actually referring to work that needed to be done in Morgan's house? Or was he referring to having sex with Morgan's okay, mom? Okay, so my thought was that he was referring to actual work that needed to be done, but everyone else was taking it as sexual. Okay. I... I think you could take it either way, but I don't really think, like, I don't think even Big Mike is going to, like, use that, like, hardcore sexual imagery there. Uh-huh. It was just, he was, it was suggestive is what yes. it was. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. So Jeff and Lester offer to help Morgan out with the interviews, and he thanks them for being sensitive. Unfortunately, we're about to face another disaster sexual assault plot line because Jeff and Lester <laughs> take this as an opportunity to try to find a buy more babe, a.k.a. a model, to promote buy more products. I really, I don't even want to describe this in any detail, but Lester wants to use the casting couch principle in order to force attractive women looking for a job to sleep with him and Jeff for the opportunity of working in the buy more. <laughs> I just feel like sometimes when we are doing this show... That I'm like, oh, you know, it hasn't been too bad lately in terms of like creepy B plots. And then it just like will surprise you and just gets so worse out of nowhere. I'm like, come on, really? You're going to make us work with this? So, yeah, we move on from that for a blessed little while. And later (laughs) that night, Chuck, Sarah and Casey are waiting at a bar for the beefcake, a.k.a. Cole, to show up. Chuck and Sarah are sitting next to each other, which is kind of odd because Sarah is supposed to be seducing Cole. But uh, when, when the time comes for that, Chuck is reluctant about Sarah doing that. Meanwhile, we see Morgan in the Bartowski house making martinis. Ellie and Devin come home, confused to find him there, but he says he'll be earning his keep for the next few days by making them drinks and drawing them bubble baths. He's also making a roast. We cut back to the bar, where we get our basically a repeat of the scene we just saw with slightly different dialogue. It felt to me kind of like a video game where there's like a few pre-recorded bits that one of the people says as you're supposed to be completing a task and then they start repeating it once you take too long. I don't know if you noticed <laughs> this. It was just like Casey was like, well, Sarah, better let it all hang out now. And I was like, you just said that like a few seconds ago. Why would you be saying that again now? <laughs> Casey tells Sarah to get busy and Chuck is worried for her safety and or his pride. So in the next scene over the course of about 30 seconds, I went from, damn, I want to be a female spy to... Being a female spy is so fucked up. 
Sarah approaches Cole, and he's apparently been learning from friend of the podcast, Mystery, because he sort of nags her for a bit. Um, yes, he does. Yeah. She tells him she's not into nice guys because all they want to do is talk about their feelings. Chuck overhears this on his earpiece, and he's sad. Meanwhile, Cole asks Sarah if she'd like to take things up to his room where nothing nice will happen, which I thought, I thought that was a good line. Uh, Casey says, good girl, which is fucked up, then off Sarah and Cole go. Back at the Bartowskis, Devin lets slip to Morgan that Chuck might be breaking up with Sarah. Morgan says that when Chuck is with Sarah, he's the Chuck they've always deemed he'd be. Ellie eats her words, but Devin says it'll probably be years before Chuck gets the courage to break up with Sarah. At the hotel, Chuck and Casey are listening to Sarah and Cole have the world's most unrealistic conversation, which sounds like he's trying to sell her his hotel room. He's like, yeah, it's got a jacuzzi and a king-size bed. Like, he's listing all the attributes of the bed, or of the room, and I'm like, what? Why? No one talks like this. Um, it wasn't even, like, sexy. He was just, like, listing them. Like, it, like I don't know. I, I would do that. I would if I was in a nice suite like that. I'd be like, it's got a king size bed. I mean, that's not even it's got that's a jacuzzi. like most hotel rooms. I feel like I don't know, maybe a jacuzzi. I, well, what kind of hotel are you? I know. Where they, do you stay? I don't know, but they have bathtubs. What's the difference? It's a jacuzzi. It's, a jacuzzi. it's the vents, the the little jets. That's the difference between a jacuzzi and a bathtub. All it's right, the jets. Cool. Thanks for clarifying. Chris Gillespie, expert on jacuzzis and beefcakes. <laughs> Chuck flashes on two fulcrum agents getting into the elevator, so Casey goes off with them. Unfortunately, before he can beat them up, a woman with a baby gets into the elevator. Meanwhile, Chuck is listening as Sarah and Cole make out to the level of roughness that you can show on television. Sarah keeps trying to take off his belt, but Cole keeps not letting her. Sarah keeps trying to stay close to her clutch, which has her gun in it, but Cole keeps tossing it away. At one point, she says, let me get something from my bag. And he says, I've got everything we need right here. I, like... What, what if it was like, what if she was, what if she was looking for like protection or something? Like, does he have that right there? She's just trying to prevent the spread of sexually transmitted infections. Sarah's number one job Chuck, as an agent for the CDC. Uh, Chuck takes out his earpiece and orders a drink because he's a bad spy. Meanwhile, Sarah finally gets Cole's belt off, but he uses it to tie her up, which is obviously not a good sign in this particular situation. No, it is not. In the elevator, Casey pulls a gun on the fulcrum agents and tells the woman with the baby to step off the elevator. Blowing his cover, like, I, he could have just waited, I don't know. But right then, we see that the baby she has is actually just a doll. She whacks Casey with the doll and screams, kill him. A shootout begins <laughs> and, like, continues for, like, several minutes and no one in the hotel notices. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, the hotel staff, like, walking down that hallway and being like, why are these bullet holes? I didn't realize this as I was watching it, but was the woman with the carriage of the same woman from later? I think Alexis? so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not positive on that, but I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I was just surprised about the gunfight. Like they're not even using like silencers or anything. Yeah, they're just straight up yeah. shooting. And guns no one on can hear it. Like I would imagine room. if a gun was going off like in a building you were in. Like I guess hotels can have thick walls, but like I don't know. I think you <laughs> still hear it. Well, I think the guests of the hotel will hear what's about to happen in approximately 10 minutes. It's kind of hard to miss. Yeah. Uh, back back in the room, Sarah uses her safe word, which is uh, asking for crystal champagne. Chuck doesn't have his headset in, so he doesn't hear. He sucks. Fortunately for him, uh, since the safe word was about champagne and he's sitting near a bar, he does hear the order come through, so he knows Sarah is in trouble. Upon hearing the request for the crystal... Chuck calls Casey, but Casey's busy shooting at people, so he can't help Sarah. He tells Chuck not to be a hero, but that's not really Chuck's strong suit. So Chuck runs up to Cole's room and tries to knock down the door. By this point, Cole has stolen Sarah's gun, but upon hearing Chuck outside, Sarah kicks the gun from Cole's hand. Chuck eventually manages to kick down the door and finds Sarah in her underwear, standing over Cole, holding a gun at him. Chuck suggests to Sarah that she put on a dress because it's chilly. At which point I thought, really, Chuck? Sarah's doing her assignment, which you tried to bail on, thus leaving her hanging and in jeopardy. And now you're going to go up there and tell her to be more modest. Yeah, really, Chuck? Not good. Chuck and Sarah take Cole out of the elevator into the rooftop parking lot. And Chuck phones Casey to tell him that they have apprehended Cole. Cole tells him that this is a bad idea because they don't know who they're dealing with. Chuck and Sarah say that they're going to be fine when a Blackhawk military helicopter flies up and starts shooting at them. They all duck behind a car, and Sarah decides to run off to distract the fire from the helicopter, allowing Chuck and Cole to stay in safety. 
Cole then reveals to Chuck that he's not actually Fulcrum. He's actually undercover from MI6. <gasps> Chuck asks why he didn't bring this up before, which is a legitimate question. But Cole says that he didn't want to blow his cover. Sarah shoots her handgun at this helicopter like she's uh, fighting some kind of boss battle in a Metal Gear Solid game. <laughs> Chuck, meanwhile, asks Cole how he knows that Cole isn't lying. And Cole says that he can't prove that he's telling the truth. But if Chuck wants to save Sarah, he'll need to free Cole and let him help. Chuck agrees and Cole promptly takes out two handguns. He runs towards Sarah, rolling over cars in the process, doing all these cool flips and, and rolls yeah, and really dives. Cool. And he starts shooting at the helicopter, too. Uh, it turns out he wasn't actually aiming for the helicopter. He was aiming for a nearby gas tank. <gasps> so the gas tank explodes and catches the helicopter on fire. And then the helicopter explodes and falls to the ground. I was Everything's like, <laughs> so I was concerned about this because when when like the helicopter first like explodes enough to like not be like functioning anymore mm -hmm. it's still like a big piece but then you see that everything like the whole thing explodes so it just turns into like littler pieces but if it's like at helicopter height like if they rain down on the city of la like is someone gonna notice that are people gonna be alarmed like they don't really address that like ellie and devon don't be like chuck like we heard there was a huge explosion in the sky are you okay yeah, there seems to be this would be a, a very big problem and no one seems to acknowledge yeah. it ever again. Nope. Beckman doesn't come and be like, what the hell did you do? You blew up a helicopter in downtown L.A. Yeah, uh, yeah no one addresses this helicopter. Nope. Fulcrum doesn't even say like, damn, you shot our helicopter. Nope. Just whatever. Yeah, just whatever. So everything seems to be good at this point. Cole reaches out his hand to help Sarah when Casey comes out wait, from wait, behind wait, him. Wait, and wait, wait. What does he say to her when he reaches out his hand? Come with me if you want to leave. Thank you. And uh, Casey, not a fan of the Arnold, pistol whips Cole on the back of his head, knocking him unconscious. As this is happening, there's slow, possibly romantic music playing. Did you pick up on that? Um, I didn't pick up on the music, but I picked up on like the romance. Oh, he's a, they, yeah, that's a hot it was, dude. It was a weird scoring choice. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I guess I noticed that there was like building music. I don't remember it being specifically romantic in okay. my thoughts but maybe it wasn't romantic maybe i'm just projecting back at castle beckman apologizes to cole saying that they didn't have him on their records as mi6 and cole groans that they just managed to blow a year and a half of undercover work chuck says that it's not a complete loss since they now have the intel chip from the belt buckle but cole assures him that the belt buckle chip is useless without a fulcrum specific playback device to decrypt the information beckman orders cole to stay in castle overnight while she contacts his superiors in london she also orders Sarah to stay in Castle with him to keep an eye on him. Cole admittedly does not seem too bothered by this prospect, but Sarah is not interested. Chuck suggests that Cole come stay at Ellie and Devin's apartment, which is a weird offer for an agent at MI6. Chuck adds that Morgan's sleeping on the couch, but there's room for both of them, and that Cole would probably like Morgan because, quote, he has a beard like yours. It's pretty good. And I was like, does... <laughs> Chuck's like using logic like a five-year-old i i don't know i thought it was kind of like he was he was like reaching i thought it was intent like yeah. i didn't think he thought it was a good thing that he was saying yeah speaking of morgan oh. we cut to the bartowskis where morgan is indeed sleeping on the sofa interesting fact about morgan's sleep habits he likes playing his nintendo ds before falling asleep oh did he have he a nintendo ds he did it was sitting right there oh, on the, i was distracted the by the second thing you're about to say morgan sleeps in the nude uh, even when he's a guest at other people's homes even when he's a guest even when he's sleeping on someone's couch morgan gets up in the middle of the night totally naked but surprisingly awake he doesn't really seem that groggy <laughs> no and he wanders into the rest of the apartment ellie can't sleep uh so she stops in the hallway and looks into chuck's room which is may i add immaculately clean i don't know if you noticed that no i didn't uh, but um it's always pretty clean he's a clean guy yeah she confides in Devin that she's concerned that because she told Chuck to break up with Sarah, but Devin assures her that it's a good sign that Chuck is not home in the middle of the night. Ayo. He then offers to make her some tea to help her relax. This means that they are headed to the kitchen where you guessed it. A stark naked Morgan is standing looking into the fridge. He decides to take out a bowl of fruit from the fridge, which is weird. I don't know why they would keep all that fruit in the refrigerator. No, it was like a banana yeah. and yeah, other non-refrigerated fruit. Yeah. No. Uh, but he takes it out, and as Ellie and Devin enter, Mo Morgan holds the fruit bowl over his private regions. 
At this point, I was thinking Morgan is weirdly muscular and lean and in shape. Were you thinking that? Yeah. I when you think that I didn't th- I didn't think that I was just kind of horrified by the whole scene. I wasn't really like paying attention to his body, but next time I will. He was weirdly I just thought he would be not in uh in great shape based on what I know about his lifestyle, but But yeah, okay. Ellie and Devin run out mortified. Morgan is not that embarrassed. Back at Castle, Cole is getting ready for bed as Chuck is getting ready to leave for the night. Chuck asks Sarah if he wants him to stick around to help watch Cole, but Sarah tells him that that won't be necessary. When Sarah walks away, Cole asks to talk to Chuck about what else? Chuck's relationship with Sarah. Of course. Chuck tells him that he and Sarah are strictly professional, and Cole is excited to hear this as he can now proceed to attempt to court Sarah and eventually ask for her hand in marriage. Oh, nice. Just kidding. He just wants to sleep with Sarah. I mean, you know, they're both they're both hot. They could, you know. Chuck, uh, realizing that he basically just gave Cole the green light, was like, oh shit, what did I do? But he, he, he goes away. And uh, the next morning, Chuck sees Ellie and Devin at breakfast. Ellie and Devin are still traumatized from seeing Morgan naked and knowing that Morgan is sleeping naked on their furniture. But Ellie wants to power through it and forget it all. Ellie asks Chuck if he talked to Sarah. And Chuck tells her that he and Sarah decide that they should just be friends. Ellie is surprised by this. And Chuck doesn't understand. Ellie explains that, quote, once you let her go, it'll be hard to get her back. Chuck is dumbfounded by this. And Devin explains that, quote, a babe like her is not going to be on the market for long. Tacking on, what were you thinking, bro? Just to really hammer it in that Chuck's a complete and total idiot. (laughs) For listening to their advice. (laughs) <laughs> back at castle sarah is doing some research on her hunky british house guest she pursues through his uh secret government files and finds that he's been recognized by the queen of england for his service to their country and often goes on dangerous hostage saving missions cole walks in as sarah's doing this so she turns off her computer monitor promptly i'm sure what we all know what this looks like turning your laptop off as someone is walking into the room and you're trying to hide something that is that a reference to me? That's just something that everyone has done? Everyone's done it. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Also, important to note that Cole is wearing only a towel in this scene. He asks Sarah why she didn't go to bed last night, and she says that she didn't want to sleep, and Cole retorts, who said anything about sleeping? That was a terrible was British really accent. Bad. Sarah tells him that she's not interested, and Cole says that he isn't either. He just wants to help Sarah improve her seduction skills, which he believes are, ha- uh, are lacking. This is definitely this, like a mystery move. It's uh, that's what I wrote down. Yeah. I wrote down this is a classic example of a neg. Mystery would be proud. Oh, mystery. <laughs> I was just waiting for Cole to take out a giant furry hat and put on eyeliner and have like a weird like rodent skeleton on <laughs> the necklace. How like how amazing and scary would it be if like mystery like reviews our podcast or like tweets at us and is like if he had guess. a podcast review and go check yourself. Pretty good. I don't know what it would be called. I would, I would be happy to sit down with Mystery for Go Chuck Yourself. Yes. For a pickup artist slash Go Chuck Yourself crossover. It'd be pretty good. Um, Mystery, if you're listening, please uh, please reach out. to Our, our people will talk to your people. Uh, anyhow, what the hell were we talking about? We're talking about Chuck. And Chuck is entering the Orange Orange. And uh, Sarah is not immediately present. So he decides to spy on her. As you do, using the surveillance footage hidden in the orange-orange POS system. He sees the scene with Cole talking to Sarah in his towel, and hears Cole say that Sarah has the right tools to be a master of seduction, but she's just out of practice being in a dungeon-like castle for so long with no one who appreciates her beauty. Sarah tells him to get dressed, which must be Sarah's sexual fetish. She likes men who are fully dressed. Don't we all, Sarah? She doesn't like naked guys. She just wants to see him. All dressed. Cole takes off his towel, and we are led to believe that Chuck and Casey see his uh, his uh, crown jewels. Oh, are we? Over the security camera. Yeah. Oh, okay. Casey says impressive, and beckons Chuck to follow him into castle. Oh, okay. I did not. Uh, I did not think of it that way, but that makes a lot more sense. I just thought he was impressed by like the moves that he was putting on. Now you may have forgotten with all of this cheeky, sexy spy flirting going on in castle. That there's an equally sexualized but vastly more creepy plotline happening at the Bymore as we speak. Jeff and Lester have succeeded in creating their casting call for beautiful women to work at the Bymore. Jeff is in a bathrobe and Lester is in a plaid suit and tie. Uh, and they interview 
different women in Big Mike's office, which they have rearranged with dingy old furniture and a snack table. As we'd all expect, all of the women that they speak to are confused and not interested in having any part of this. Jeff and Lester take Polaroid photos of the ladies. They ask them for key codes to get into their apartment after hours. You know, all the questions that you'd ask during a job interview. Did you notice that one of them was Brooklyn Decker? I did. Oh, okay. Just letting you know. Uh, one woman threatens to call her boyfriend, another threatens to call the police, and one, played by supermodel Brooklyn Decker, demands to know why they are looking for models to work in the store because she has a business degree from Harvard. She demands to know who is in charge, and Lester and Jeff both say Chuck. I don't know why they always say that. I don't know either. I think because they, they know they can get, get away with it. Like if they said Big Mike, oh, Big Mike true. would fire yeah, them. Chuck is, not, uh, Chuck is an enabler. He's an enabler. Back at Castle, Chuck the Enabler, Sarah, Casey, and Cole sit around trying to figure out how to access the information on the belt buckle chip. Without that special playback device, Chuck says that he thinks he could figure it out, uh, you know, how to hack into it and everything. But Cole tells him that it's more complicated than pirating video games. Chuck is bothered by this condescension. Cole suggests that, you know, as a former undercover fulcrum agent, he could try contacting his former fulcrum friends to see, you know, if his cover is still intact, if they could help him get the, the playback device. Sarah says that it's too risky to bring the chip back to Fulcrum. And Cole says that he'll leave the chip at Castle. And he'll see if he can smoke out some of the Fulcrum agents. Chuck insists that he really can help. But Sarah tells him to go back to the buy more. She don't give a shit. Nope. After seeing Cole's macho display, Chuck is more bent than ever on proving that he can hack into the chip. Even though Sarah explicitly told him not to do that. Upon returning to the buy more, Morgan approaches Chuck and tells him that he'll wear pajama bottoms if it means smoothing things over with Ellie. Similar to last week, Chuck states that he doesn't want anything to do with this B-plot. At this point, Brooklyn Decker approaches them and asks to speak to Chuck. Chuck says, hi, how can I help you? And very politely, not creepily, and Brooklyn Decker responds by slapping him across the face. Well, I mean, she thinks that he engineered the casting couch thing. Yes. So She says, you'll be hearing from my lawyer and storms out, but not before slapping Morgan once for good measure. Good. I, I was happy Morgan finally got slapped. You know, it goes to show, even if you don't have a reason to slap Morgan, but if you're near him and you get the chance, just slap just him. Just slap him. He probably did something. Yeah. Morgan tells Chuck that he put Jeff and Lester in charge of hiring the new sales associates and that they must have, quote, taken a few creative liberties, which is quite the understatement. It is. In downtown Los Angeles, Sarah and Casey are undercover with Cole, who is awaiting his fulcrum contact. How do you know it's downtown? Because the, the big buildings. Okay. I just, I also knew it was downtown, but I've been downtown. I didn't know. All right. It isn't just like the the part of any town with big buildings, the downtown area? Well, I mean, LA has like a couple different parts with big buildings. Oh, does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So many parts with big buildings? <laughs> well, that would be like, like you had, like Manhattan is like, I don't know if Manhattan is down, but Manhattan has big buildings at uptown and downtown. And then there's Long Island City that has big buildings, but that's not Manhattan. Parts of Brooklyn have big buildings. Okay, fine. I have a very well. You were right. <laughs> you were right. So that's, definition of I believe of that the this phrase downtown. Uh, this scene takes place downtown. Okay, you heard it here first. This scene definitely took place downtown. <laughs> Sarah and Casey are undercover with Cole, who is awaiting his fulcrum contact. Upon arriving, the fulcrum contact asks Cole if he has the chip, and Cole asks him if he has the playback device. As this is happening, more fulcrum agents are watching Cole, and they notice on their computer that the homing beacon in the belt buckle chip was tripped at a location in Burbank. They instruct another fulcrum agent to shoot Cole since he clearly doesn't have the chip on him. Sarah moves in to stop Cole's assassin, but as she puts him at gunpoint, another fulcrum agent puts her at gunpoint before another agent puts Cole at gunpoint We're just again. We're with gunpoints at this point. It's just a clown car of assassins, <laughs> folks. As they bring Cole and Sarah into their limousine slash clown car, Fulcrum tells them that they know that they don't have the chip because someone is trying to hack into it in Burbank. Sure enough, back at the nerd herd desk, Chuck is working diligently to break into the chip, and so far he's succeeding, not knowing that he's putting his friends and an award-winning British spy in danger. He eventually completes the decryption and finds the secret intel hidden on the chip, and turns out it was the footage from Chuck versus the suburbs of Chuck being forced to watch the anti-intersect. He freaks out because he's concerned one of his coworkers might see this, so he also turns off his computer monitor like we have all done many times. He looks up from the computer and sees the fulcrum agents who captured Cole and Sarah walking towards him. He flashes on their leader, and we learn that the leader's name is Alexis White. Thanks for Seeing giving them, her a name. 
Hey, you're welcome. I don't think they ever say it in the episode. Like, we see it on the intersect flash. I don't think they ever say, hey, Alexis. Hey, Alexis. <laughs> How's it going? She's uh, in her flash. She's also very scary. The flash shows her torturing a lot of people, oh, yeah. and it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Um, so Chuck sees her coming towards him, and he smashes the chip with a screwdriver. Jeff and Lester see the Fulcrum agent's gun holsters and believe that one of the poor women that they were trying to take advantage of called the police on them which we can only wish, but that does not happen in this episode, unfortunately. Uh, Alexis tells Chuck that breaking the chip was a dumb thing to do and that they will now have to do this the hard way. Chuck asks what the hard way is, and we cut to Chuck, Sarah, and Cole dangling by their wrists, uh, the wrist from chains in a creepy warehouse. Chuck whines in pain while Sarah and Cole are calm and collected. Chuck is freaking out, and they assure him that the torture hasn't even started yet. It's simply the pre-torture or a 1 out of 10 on the pain scale. So, yeah, Chuck and Sarah and Cole are strung up in this warehouse. Chuck reveals to Sarah that the identity of the intersect, Chuck, was on the chip. Sarah says he cannot, under any circumstances, tell the fulcrum agents, but he's worried that he won't be able to withstand torture. She tells him to just pass out if the pain becomes too intense, which I remember thinking this the first time I watched this. Like, is that, can you just do that? Like, if I wanted to pass out right now, could I just pass out? Uh, I think you would be pretending to pass out, right? Yeah, but like she th- she's saying like actually pass out. Like make yourself unconscious? Yeah. I didn't think that that was know, something maybe. you could control. Like maybe if you're a spy. Maybe. But I mean, if you were like being experienced, like if you're experiencing a lot of pain, I think fainting is a normal response to yeah, that. So maybe okay. it's just like, just give into it if you're feeling that. Yeah, okay. Don't resist it. Uh, also, okay, so... They just mean, like, because Alexis walks in and she's like, uh, the identity of the intersect is on that chip. So, like, mm-hmm. they mean, like, the anti-intersect, right? Like, the guy who it worked on in the suburbs, not, like, the identity right. of, like, like Bryce Larkin. They Did they mm-hmm. still think that Bryce Larkin is the intersect 1.0? Because now they're uh, just saying if intersect. If they do, they don't allude to that at all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Um, it doesn't matter anymore, I guess. Casey, who was not captured, threatens Jeff and Lester and finds out that an attractive woman took Chuck away. Apparently, this is enough information for him because he then leaves. Back in the warehouse, Chuck is yelling, no more torture. But we find out that Cole is actually the one being whipped, which is kind of like, like, that's horrifying. But that's like weird torture method, like whipping (laughs) someone. Uh, Alexis threatens to use a blowtorch on him if he doesn't talk, which is another weird but like definitely effective way of threatening someone. (laughs) <laughs> Chuck cracks and says, I know what's on the chip. It's me. I'm the intersect. Cole and Sarah aren't having this, though. They say that Chuck's just a computer technician, and Cole says that he's the intersect, which seems to be a little bit more believable because he's, like, the actual suave spy. Right. Sarah seems oddly hot and bothered by, like, him taking the fall like this. Chuck tries to be brave again, but when Alexis comes at him with a needle, he does, in fact, pass out. By the time he comes to, Casey has appealed to Beckman for backup, and Alexis is threatening to inject Sarah with some kind of poison. Alexis demands that Chuck tell her who the intersect is, and Chuck and Cole both shout, It's me! Just then, the SWAT team arrives. Casey chases Alexis into a corner and threatens to torture her. He says, Everybody talks, which is the theme of this episode and also the title of a Neon Trees song, which is pretty good. I wish they played it, (laughs) but they don't. Uh, unfortunately, she just says, I know, and injects herself with a poison needle and dies. It was kind of it's kind of a badass moment on her part. Um, she does name the poison, which I can see from Wikipedia. I will uh, tell you some fun facts about this. It's uh, it's ricin, everyone. And according to Wikipedia, um, the amount of ricin that she has, while definitely lethal, would take at least three days to kill someone. So... Mm-hmm. Um, she wouldn't die immediately, but I'll I'll allow that for this. Uh, Ricin uh, featured prominently in Breaking Bad. Is it? Yeah. Oh, cool. And the uh, they they poison people. They they handle it very effectively. In, it's a in Breaking Bad. Is it like I don't bad like horrifying? Um. Or are you saying that it, it actually is. takes three days? It actually takes three days. Okay. Who do they kill? They. Spoilers. Well, for I don't want if any. <laughs> I hold Breaking Bad in high regard, so I will not spoil it. If you have not seen it, right, I suggest that you watch later. it. I will tell you afterwards okay. how it's used, but I, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, check it out. So, in the show that we're actually talking about, Casey compares sure. Chuck fainting to Cole with standing torture and says, look like his method is working, with reference to Sarah and Cole limping off together. Back in Castle, Sarah tells Chuck she's proud of him, 
She says, he's had practice enduring torture in their fake relationship. He says it wasn't all bad, and she says she's going to miss it. Before Chuck can take it all back, though, Cole returns. Chuck gives Cole and Sarah a minute, and Cole takes the chance to invite Sarah to Fiji with him on a brief vacation. Which, like, she should do it. God. Like, <laughs> She's been working hard. She needs a break. Yeah. That's, that's his point as well. Chuck walks past the orange-orange computer, and I thought he was going to have a mature moment where he decided not to cry anymore, but instead he turns on the castle cameras and watches again as Cole tells Sarah she spent so much time worrying about everyone else that she's forgotten to take care of herself. Sarah pulls away, but he pulls her back, and they begin kissing. And it was like, Sarah's had some pretty hot kisses. Like, Matt Bonner, pretty hot. This guy, pretty hot. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being really upset by this the first time I watched it, but now I'm like, hell yes, Sarah. Uh, I don't know, I like this guy. Um, (laughs) Cole leaves, and Sarah stays, and Chuck is sad. At the Buy More, Morgan decides that he needs to make a change in his life and get his own place. A couple episodes ago, uh, Anna did ask him to move in with her, but that's apparently not what he's talking about. (laughs) Um, Chuck is impressed by Morgan's decision and says, let's move in together. Morgan jumps on him like a baby spider monkey. Big Mike arrives to ask Chuck why he has a dozen calls with HR complaints. So I guess that's kind of going to be the end of the the Jeff and Lester plotline. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode has about 40 endings, um, which is bad when you're watching it 20 minutes late to recording, but it's okay because it's just one more bullet point. Uh, we see Cole's car intercepted by a fake cop, and then we go back to the Bartowskis where Chuck announces that he's moving out, which Ellie says, yes, and that he's moving in with Morgan. Ellie says, no. Sarah knocks on the door and says she has to talk to Chuck about something important. She tells Chuck that Cole has been captured, so Chuck has to go under 24-hour protective detail. This means they can't break up after all, and they have to move in together. So, I, I assume in the next episode we'll see Chuck breaking that news to Morgan, and Morgan being, like, upset. Because, I mean, like, I would be upset if my friend was like, let's move in together. And then, like, an hour later he was like, mm, sorry, my girlfriend asked me to, so. Yeah. And that is Chuck versus the beefcake. And that is Chuck versus the beefcake. I am certainly, I do not remember what happens after this. So I'm very curious to, to uh, see the following episode. Yeah, I actually, it's I don't quite remember the cliffhanger. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I have no idea. Chuck versus the beefcake. Chuck versus the beefcake. So moving on to Chuck, Mary kill. One part of this episode that we want to marry. And one part of this episode that we would want to kill. Aaron, what would you like to marry? Um, something, this is kind of like uh, a, a meeting of the worlds, I guess, but I really like that this episode is called Chuck vs. the Beefcake, and the actor who plays um, Cole is Jonathan Cake. So that's kind of like, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I think Beefcake is a phrase, they could have just used it, but I think it's funny that uh, Beefcake, Cake. Also, I just uh, like Jonathan Cake's performance in general. He was... Very suave, very good looking, very, um, he was, he was a good, like, kind of, I don't know, like, we had the, um, the man who was, like, the James Bond parallel, but, like, the old James Bond kind of, like, out of Uh his ways. I am now blanking on what his name was, but, um, I liked this version of it a lot more, and I liked how he interacted with Sarah. So, all of, all of the beefcakes, but specifically the Jonathan cake. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it could have been Chuck versus Cake. It would have been even ah. more meta. Because they could have been like, Chuck could be in the intro sequence, just like flailing around and punching, yeah. and kicking. Mm-hmm. My Mary is uh, it's good. just two smaller ones this week. Uh, I really liked the helicopter fight. I thought that was really badass. Mm-hmm. I uh, I thought it was surprising that they didn't use that in like a climatic, like a climax kind of scene. Because yeah. I was like, wow, you got the helicopter budget and you're going to blow it in the first 20 minutes of the episode yeah. for like a smaller fight yeah. but i thought that was cool i enjoyed the action and i also thought that the pre-torture scene was quite funny because i like when they kind of juxtapose chuck being a normal person versus what the train spies think is normal and they think it's normal like oh yeah we're just this is fine this is a one on the, the pain scale yeah. but to anyone else it would be like yeah. i'm so scared this hurts so bad yeah. my wrists hurt yeah. my back hurts so yeah i enjoyed those cool I was going to say, what would you like to kill? But I think I know what you'd like to kill. Yeah, just the whole... So why don't you say it? I mean, like, the casting couch thing, especially, like, watching this now is, 
like a lot worse than it like was like when this was out. It was still bad and still happening, obviously. But like watching it now, I'm like, oh my, like this is horrible. It's like especially tasteless yes, now. Yeah. Um, which like could they have predicted? Probably because they're in Hollywood, but whatever. Um, yeah, it was just like not like all of these plot lines so often cross into a territory where it's like you can have characters who are like creepy and immature and weird and make bad decisions and are like like have questionable things with women and everything but like these are often these plots cross into like dangerous unsafe like offensive like un like there's there's no excuses territory and it's like these characters are supposed to be like the comic relief and it like it loses some of the funniness when you, or it loses all of the funniness, I guess, when you like do these kinds of things. Like there's, there's stuff that Jeff and Lester get up to or could get up to that it could be really funny and could like not like make me feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would, I would have done, I would like them, then interviewing the green shirts could have been funny. There could have been a way to do that. That isn't like demeaning to women. And they like, they just kind of dropped that. Like, they had this whole group of, like, green shirt-looking people. Like, they could have done another, like, buy more competition. They could have done another, like, they could have just interviewed them really weirdly or, like, whatever. Mm. But they did this, and it was, like, the the only part of it that didn't, like, make my skin crawl was the part where he put a green shirt on a model and was like, eh? But everything leading <laughs> up to that and everything after that was bad. So. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I think just kind of to speak to that, I think that there is a way that they could have like reused or like just switched it around. So they could have done something with like Jeff and Lester are interviewing people and then Brooklyn Decker comes in and they're obviously attracted to oh. her. But she also ends up having the Harvard degree. So she's kind of overqualified for the mm-hmm. role and they don't want her to realize how lame it is to work at the buy more. Yeah. So they try to like impress her to get her to stay because she is attractive and smart. Yeah. Like, I think that's like, that's the level that they're, they seem to be going for of like, oh, these guys are so inept and weird. And like, here's a funny plot line. But instead, they like crossed that line so far. Yeah. And like, I with that kind of plot line, like, I don't, I don't hate the idea of it. But I just hate the idea of it in Chuck. Yeah, I think it could be like, if it was a, if you knew that Chuck or the show was a dark comedy, Mm. and you knew the tone of the show, Mm. and that these creepy characters were going to do this creepy thing. Mm And you knew that the show is saying that it's 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 frowning upon it. It's like criticizing yeah. by showing it for comedic effect. Yeah. But I feel like it just it feels really slimy when you have like last week with like the Jeffster stuff yeah. where it's like, We're oh, you're supposed to sympathize them yeah. like the characters and root for them. Yeah, exactly. And then next week they're like, oh, wow, these characters are really kind of abhorrent yeah. in, in their behavior. Yeah. It's just kind of I think you, it just feels I think gross. you said it perfectly like it there is um a place for it in a kind of show but in chuck it's weird not in chuck not in my chuck <laughs> not in my buy more uh so i guess we'll move on to the scooter scale ranking this episode zero to five corn dogs um well how many corn dogs you you feel i'm like handing out this week aaron this may this may be um something that we differ on i'm not actually sure how you feel about this episode but um i'm gonna give it a four Really? Yeah, I I really liked the um the Cole plotline. Like I thought that was um, yeah. gave some. I I really liked his performance. I really liked um that that kind of introduction uh, as it related to Sarah. I think we probably could have spent more time on like Sarah's feelings about like there being another man who she may be interested in, and like the like juxtaposition of him and Chuck and all of that. But overall, I like. I enjoyed watching this. I think that it was a little long. Like I think we've talked about, it seemed like it was a normal length episode, but just the way it was structured, <laughs> it seemed to end like five times. And obviously, uh-huh. like I like your idea for the um, the hiring plotline much better. But uh, mm-hmm. I I liked it. I think um, yeah. I just I just had a good time watching it. So I'm gonna give it oh, a four. That's good. I I'm glad. Yeah. I'm surprised. I thought that the the B plot would have tanked it for you, but it seems like it I didn't just, really. Just kind of like just uh, that's that's uh, cut it out of my head. Just Cole Cole was just that hunky for you. He huh? was a beefcake. He was just that hot yeah. that he. Um, I I will differ from you. I was going to give it a two point five. That's fine. 
Um, obviously, I think the B plot is really asinine yeah. eats into my score for this. But I also like cool for me as a character. I didn't like dislike him, but I also didn't like him. Yeah. And I just felt like Chuck was being kind of a dumbass in this episode. Yeah. And I feel like not really a ton happened. I feel like it's kind of segueing into some more stuff happening. It's a little bit juicier, but yeah. I just kind of felt like it was kind of forgettable for me. I don't remember. Like, I don't remember if a call came, comes back. Like if he, I don't, I think I would remember if he was in more than one episode, but I don't uh, like if he comes back or if he dies or something like that could be, that could lead into something interesting, especially for Sarah. Mm-hmm. So I know that. Cole kind of is like a prototype character for a very significant character that comes a little bit down the line that has a lot of similarities with Cole. And I appreciate I I do appreciate that other character as well, I guess, at least in my memory. I hope that we're thinking of the same character. I think after this ends, I'm going to ask you who you're talking about. I I imagine we'd be talking about the same character. Um, But yeah, Chuck versus the beefcake. That's that's that. That's that's that. That's that. A uh, a polarizing episode here at Go Chuck Yourself. We will never forgive one another. We will never forgive one another, but we will certainly forget this episode. I already have. <laughs> so these uh these late teen episodes, they're all starting to blur together. Yeah. In my mind. Well, I like the the suburbs stood out. I thought the suburbs was good. Yeah. Um, this one. I mean, I watched this one like less than two hours ago, so it's fresh in your yes, mind. But by well, I'm tomorrow, sure that I mean. We're kind of getting into the the third act of the season, mm-hmm. I I would suspect. Yes. So I think things will probably be taking a turn for the the dramatic yeah. or the intense. So exciting! We shall see. Very exciting stuff. We'll find out soon. You'll find out in one week. You will find out in one week. That's so good for you. Congratulations! And uh, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food, much like Cole Barker himself, is sexy. And my name is Erin Arana, letting you know that anything is possible. Now we're off to uh, get a beefcake of our own. Ayo. And a, a, a pork cupcake. And a pork cupcake. Pork cupcake. A chicken uh, brownie. I don't know. Ooh, that, that one sounds real bad. <laughs> um, a seafood. <laughs> a seafood Danish. Ooh. That, I mean, that could be okay. That sounds like something they'd make on like British Bake Off or something. It sounds like something that they would have at Ikea. I was going to say turkey pudding, but I feel like that's also something that... Turkey pudding. Turkey pudding sounds like something that is a pudding, but it doesn't actually have turkey in it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's like a nickname. Like, what's your thing? Well, like... Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.